All right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Um, it's been a long time coming since we've done one of these. Uh, pro- de- definitely since the last six months or so. And uh, this is the first episode of uh, the reboot of the Red Reporter Podcast. We're going to try and do this a little bit more consistently. And uh, this is the first episode of 2017, so we're going to talk about the 2017 Reds. So... Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm your host, BK, and uh, alongside me this week, I have what will hopefully be my two regular co-hosts uh, going uh, from here forward. So, uh, reporting live from wintry Denver, Colorado, is uh, Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I'm good. I'm fired about those uh, 2017 Reds. I mean, it's kind of hard not to be at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, all the moves they're making, it's just, it's so exciting to, to be a fan of this team right now. Freaking Jerry DePoto out there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also alongside us this week uh, from Lafayette, Indiana. Is that right, Eric? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Eric Roseberry. Eric, how are you? I am doing well. Uh, still trying to figure out what exactly we're going to talk about with this team tonight, but... Uh... As you guys yeah, have jokes, yeah, uh, not much happening. I guess that's kind of the big question mark, right? I mean, that 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 is what there is to talk about is that we we, we like their hand has been shown, you know, like all all the cards are on the table. You just don't know if any of them are actually going to be good enough to still be around two years from now. You know, it's it's like a, the 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 pieces have been flipped over. We we know what we have or we see what we have, we just have to find out how good what we see is. And that's the one thing that, you know, until you get them out there, they're so young and so unproven, you don't, you don't really know. You're just guessing at this point. Right. I mean, I, I normally, I think we'd be, you know, talking about all the question marks coming into the season, but we, we kind of know what we're getting out of this team right now, you know, given what we've seen, you know, we've seen a lot of these guys last year and, you know, some of the young guys could take a step up in 2017, but, you know, there's not really a whole lot of, you know, questions to be answered with a lot of these current players. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's better than the alternative of kind of making themselves believe they're going to compete any earlier than they are and making a, a stupid move that's going to set them back a few years. So all things considered, I'll take this. Yeah, it's, right. it's weird. Like the last couple of years, we've... At this time of year in 2014, 2015, 2016, it was, uh, you know, you're going to have Zach Cozart and Brandon Phillips and Joey Fado, you know, as three-fourths of the infield, and you kind of know what you're going to get from them. You just hope that somebody else that you don't know about is going to jump up and, and compliment them well enough. And now, you know, <laughs> aside from Votto, who obviously is, is Joey Votto, you've got the only two other real known quantities on the offense are Brandon Phillips and Zach Cozart, and we're not talking about what to expect from them. We're talking about – how soon until they're gone, you know, how much playing time are they going to get as opposed to, uh, you know, at one point of the, the aging curve, are they, and how much playing time are they going to get or whether or not they can bounce back? It's, it's a question more of playing time. Uh, and, and aside from them, it's everybody else out there, even Billy Hamilton to an extent because his season last year was so odd, you know, split wise and injury wise, you don't really know what you're going to get from him either. Uh, and yeah, those a whole lot of question marks in there. And then, you know, the only other veterans that you have that you, you have any confidence are going to be on the 25 man roster are guys like Homer Bailey and 
Devin Mesoraco, and you have no idea what the heck you're getting out of either one of those because they haven't played in two years. Uh, guys like Bryson Iglesias, who was the opening day starter last year, but is now going to be in an eighth inning role, so you don't really know what you're going to get out of him either because he's not <laughs> he's not he's not held either one of those roles for longer than about five minutes. So yeah, even the even the established stars, quote unquote, on this roster right now, you don't have a definitive reaction about because you don't know how much they're going to play or they're in a role that you've never seen them in before. So it's uh it's weird. It's a really really weird situation to be in. Yeah, I feel like this is this is really far removed from even the teams from two or three years ago where, you know, the talk before the season was, well, if everyone stays healthy and everything breaks right and we get a good season from so and so that, you know, oh, this could, you know, be a wild card team or sneak into the playoffs somehow. You know, we're not really talking about that with this team. I think, you know, just from the top we're we're thinking, well, okay, can some of these veteran guys get their trade value up to the point where we could flip them around the deadline? And, you know, are these young guys going to you know come up and perform as, as we're hoping they will? So, and who's going to get a chance? So, I, I mean, I think there, there are definitely still storylines to pay attention to with this team, but it's, it's definitely a little different than the past couple seasons. So uh, let's, let's just begin with uh, just a recap of how things have gone here with uh, the last, well, the offseason so far. Um, you know, really the only acquisition that they've made is to bring in uh, Drew Storen to help shore up the bullpen. And, um, you know, that, that seems like a pretty uh, team-friendly deal. Um, you know, there's a lot that, you know, there's a lot of value that he can provide to this bullpen and to um, his own, you know, stock at this point coming off of kind of a disappointing year last year. Um, so going forward, I mean, what's what's the area that the Reds are going to have to improve, you know, with a cup with about a month left before uh, we report to Arizona? Yeah. So the Drew Storm move, I, I, I think, I love the idea of the Drew Storm move, if that makes sense, in that I love the idea that the Reds looked up and said, hey, there's a whole lot of veteran relievers that have had good careers to this point out there. Not a lot of them are going to cost a whole lot of money because there's so many of them. Let's go throw a couple million bucks at one of them because we've got that payroll flexibility. And uh, and the bullpen, obviously, last year was the biggest disaster in the history of Cincinnati Reds pitching. Um, so I love the concept that they went out and spent that money on a guy like Storen. Uh, I think Storen's got bounce back upside, but the one thing I worry about is, oh, damn, they went out and spent the money on Storen when they could have had uh, Santiago Casilla or Neftali Feliz or uh, Joe Blanton or any any number of other guys that are in that, that market. And you just hope they pick the right one because I think that's exactly the kind of move right. that they should be making, uh, hoping that it works out hoping that he fills in that ninth inning role, which allows the uh, the more uh, nebulous, move-around, high-leverage innings to be given to guys like Michael Lorenzen and Rysel Iglesias, which obviously this postseason has kind of uh, shown as a way that a lot of good, versatile relievers can work. So I think that's good, but I'd love to see them go out and get another one. Um, you know, I know when we were in the, uh, the SB Nation league-wide simulation uh, one thing we made a point of was going out and getting two guys. I think we ended up getting Neftali Feliz and Casilla, 
uh, if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. the concept was the same, which was that there shouldn't be a whole lot of roles in that bullpen coming from last year, moving into this year, uh, that should be set in stone. And for a team that shed so much payroll over the last couple of years, uh, finding guys to shore that up and who also could potentially be guys you could flip at the deadline if they go out and they perform well in the first half, uh, I think that's exactly what is still left in the cards to do. And I think the Reds have hinted at maybe trying to do that. I don't know if they'll go to the you know three or four million bucks that they went to with, with Storm to get another guy in his market, but another guy who's got that ability to kind of be that veteran arm that can uh, be healthy for the first time in two or three years, that can find the velocity and actually pitch well and help anchor that bullpen. I think that's, uh, uh, for me, that's what I'd like to go to, uh, see the Reds go out and pull off between now and, and spring training. Yeah. What do you think the chances are they flip him? I mean, he's got some name recognition. The value of relievers has skyrocketed. Do you think they went into this planning? Let's get a few months out of him and then see what we can get in return. I think they, they, I think that's what they hope for for sure. I think the price point that they went to means that if they can't flip them, they're okay with that too. Uh, but I don't think, barring a, a 2003 Eric Gagne season, um, <laughs> there's no way he's going to qualify offer after this year. So I think what they've got to look at is say, hey, well, you know, he, he's not. We didn't get him to win Game Seven of the World Series by closing out the ninth inning, and we're not going to be able to get any form if we hold him the way through the year so uh i think they've got to have that that january july 31st target date and say hey i hope he's recouped his value maybe picked up that extra half mile an hour on his fastball that he's kind of lost over the last two or three years um and see if they can get something for him um because a the only reason that they'd be able to do that is if he's pitching well um because if he's pitching poorly or pitching like he did the first half of last year they're not going to get anything for him um so i think they hope obviously he pitches well a because that'll help solidify the bullpen and trickle down theory, help everything else. But B, if he's pitching that well, then obviously I think they're going to look to move him just because uh, that's what they should be doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds good to me, and it's it's better than J.J. Hoover back there, so whatever, man. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one thing that jumped out at me the other day is that Hoover, I think what it, he signed a minor league deal with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny that the Reds really didn't have any particular interest in Hoover, at least publicly, and who knows what happened behind the scene, but... Uh, I made some flippant comment that the Reds' entire offseason plan, and here you know, I am backing it up by saying what I would hope for them to continue to do, is to go out and find guys like J.J. Hoover, you know? Uh, former closers who had a bad year that are now available for cheap that you can bring in and hope they bounce back. Uh, Storin obviously has got a longer track record than Hoover, but they're kind of the same guy. You know, they're 28, 29, 30 years old, coming off a rough year, didn't really get any multi-year offers, but somebody knows they can still throw 95 miles an hour. Like, we think we can fix them. Um, so uh, the Reds are out there trying to find the new Hoover. Because, heck, even Hoover had that that one bad year sandwiched in between the, the two good years before 2016 when things completely fell apart. So, yeah, the relief market is uh, it's hard enough to pinpoint, much less to, to, to pick the right year to have the right guy. I'm sure everyone is thrilled hearing we uh, might have the new J.J. Hoover now. So, great offseason. We get we get what was it twenty thirteen JJ Hoover when he had like the twenty sixth consecutive uh, inning scoreless streak that'd be okay I, I, I can settle for that. So changing topics here, um, what's the one position or area that the Reds haven't addressed this off season that they still need to? Uh yeah, I mean, I think 
obviously, if, I think a lot of the spots they're they're kind of upset with what this rebuild's going to look like. But uh, for me, the biggest question mark. I mean, I think Scott Shebler, Shebler will do fine in right field. I'm not sure he's the long term play there. Uh, I think obviously Tetcher's a huge question mark for people. Mezzarocco is going to try and come back, and we'll see what happens this you know second third go around with this. Uh, but honestly, to me, the one everyone's going to talk about the most throughout the season is going to be Phillips. Um, I think it's, I mean, we all have the hopes that Perrazzo will get some more time there and Dilson Herrera will get some more time there, but man, I see it going. I don't, I don't see a scenario where it goes well having, telling Brandon Phillips, he's not going to be the everyday second baseman here. So, I mean, my, my nightmare scenario is this thing just goes down in a ball of flames with the, the personalities hitting this off season, but that's just me. We kind of dovetail off that, yeah. I, I, I think playing time is going to be kind of the, the the interesting focal point on that because you know if you look at the guys that are twenty two and twenty three years old for the first time in, in a while, uh, the Reds have three guys that really project to be uh, impact players and should be impact players or at least giving enough time to show if they can be uh, in twenty seventeen, and that's Herrera and that's Peraza and that's Jesse Winker also, and so I think trying to find ways to have their natural progression not be stunted while also uh, uh, sorting out Phillips and Cozart in the middle infield and whether Shebler or whether you know Adam Duvall or whoever it is in the outfield, uh, what they've still got. I, it almost puts a lot more emphasis on uh, you know April, May, and June of next year. I mean, that's, that's what, that's uh, uh, 70 games, 75 games. Um, that really are going to kind of a lot of guys have a lot riding on it. I guess is what what I'm coming with here is that uh, you know <laughs> whether Cozart's fully healthy and and that's something that we don't really know at this point because his knee and his Achilles obviously shut him down last year. Uh, whether Phillips finally agrees to be moved or whether the team's willing to give starts to Peraza or even bring up Herrera uh, to let them play at second base. Um, Jesse Weaker shows his wrist is healthy and is knocking the cover off the ball and. Uh, in Louisville and walking more than he's striking out. Uh, and Adam Duvall is playing the way he did after the All-Star break last year, or Scott Scheller is playing the way he did the first half of last year. Um, you know, how quick are the Reds going to be to make the final decisions on those? I mean, obviously they've made the they've made the initial decisions on those positions by making sure that they've got their top prospects knocking down the door, uh, two of which they got from outside the organization because they thought those were spots that needed to be addressed. Um, how quickly do they make the, the eventual decision that says, hey, now their time is now. Uh, so that's that's going to be one of the primary things I'm watching. Uh, the other is how versatile the, uh, the actual everyday roster is going to be, uh, how much Brian Price is going to agree to move guys around. Um, you know, we've seen last year we saw Peraza play everywhere uh, pretty much, and to get him in the lineup, which obviously they want to do, especially considering how well he played last year, uh, how much they're going to move him around if they still consider him to be the shortstop, quote-unquote, of the future. Um, how much Eugenio Suarez is going to get moved around. You know, They kind of bumped him to third base last year because they didn't have another third baseman on the roster after trading Todd Frazier. But he came up as a shortstop, and oftentimes was regarded as a very gifted shortstop. So is he pigeonholed as a third baseman going forward, or is he going to have a chance to actually move around and play a little shortstop to see if he can still cut it there? Uh, you know, how the Reds are going to incorporate all these moving parts that 
were in different positions or different organizations a year ago, um, or that just they don't they haven't exactly you know settled on as being full time everyday guys. Uh, how they're going to sort that out? So I'm I'm interested to see how much the roster changes or the lineup changes, I guess, uh, from a from a Monday to a Wednesday, so to speak. Yeah. Do you? I'm curious. Do you think? In terms of Brian Price and his job, I mean, obviously he knows the expectation isn't to win now. Do you fear at all he's going to stay with the veteran guys to keep it looking a little better on the surface? Yeah, I, I, I've given Brian Price uh, a lot of benefit of the doubt over the last couple of years because you know, it's one thing to manage a roster that's not talented and to lose with one that's not talented. It's another one to manage a roster that has just nonstop turmoil and overhaul, which is what he's had to go through. So asking him to win, that that wasn't a clear way to reflect what it was he could do. Uh, now that he's got the pieces that are supposed to grow for the next two or three years into this team, I think now is where you really start to see uh, what his chops are as a manager, how flexible he is with roles, how innovative he is with lineups and moving guys around the diamonds. So I, I think I am going to watch Price a lot closer this year than I might have in the last two years, just because now he – I think he knows this too, and I think that 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 that's going to be kind of the uh, the underlying portion of all this is that now he knows that his impact is really going to be watched a lot more closely than it was in the past. Um, but yeah, that's on the on, we, we're talking offense here too. But obviously, he came up as a pitching coach, right? And uh, as much depth at, at the AAA level and the young guys vying for spots as we've talked about with the offense, uh, the pitching staff's in a very very similar situation too. And I think I might be watching that even more closely than how he gets Peraza in the lineup every day because, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, Rice Lake Iglesias was the opening day starter last year, and uh, he's in the bullpen now. And they haven't brought any any additional starters since that happened. Uh, you've got Dan Straley, who, you know, had a fantastic year last year, but this time last year was on waivers because he should have been. Uh, you've got Homer Bailey, who's made a handful of starts in two and a half years. Uh, and those are the guys you're counting on, <laughs> because beside that, it's a bunch of young arms that Price is going to have to sort through. And his uh, his decision making process and who to use where and you know whether you start guys in the bullpen or stretch them out later. Uh, that's what I think I'm going to be grading him more so on than anything else uh, heading into next year. Yeah, you mentioned Bailey. Does does anybody have more writing on this season in terms of how the fan base perceives them or their future success as Bailey this year? That's a tough one. I think he, I think he and Devin Mezzarocco are pretty much in the same boat. Uh, a because they've done it before. I mean, obviously they've proven themselves well enough to get the giant contracts that they got. Uh, but B, they also have so much left on those contracts that to ever have any value to any other team on the open market or on the trade market, I think, yeah, those two guys have as much riding on this year as. As any any Reds players, I think I, I can remember in recent years because I'm not sure there've been two guys that have had that much money tied up to them and that many question marks uh, than those two. Right. When remind me, Devin has two years left on his deal. Yeah, so he's two years and right at like twenty million total, like seven and then the thirteen. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that 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 thirteen is a pretty uh pretty steep hike. Yeah, he hasn't hit a home run since 2014. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would agree with all that. I think that uh, you know when you look at 
objective, going back to Price a little bit, just looking at the job that he did at the end of last year, um, you know, I, I was actually kind of critical of some of the decisions that he made, you know, in September and, you know, just as he didn't have the contract for 2017, so he was kind of managing for his job and he was, I don't know if you'd say that he was putting his own, his own future with the team ahead of, you know, the team's future going forward, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that kind of can't happen in 20, in 2017, you know, he needs to, he needs to have a step with the players that he has and we need to see some improvement or else it, I think it's, it's going to be really hard to, uh, you imagine him keeping his job, but we've been wrong about that before. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, and that's, that's kind of what I was trying to get towards. No last comment was that, you know, he was mm-hmm. managing both for his own career and he was also managing guys of the last two years that he knew weren't part of the long-term, long-term uh, uh, future of the Reds. So, you know, his, his future wasn't what the Reds were aiming for. The players he was given weren't going to be there for the Reds' future either. And so it was kind of like three divergent uh, paths slash storylines that he was dealing with. And, you know, now that they've traded away almost everybody that was on the trading block, they've Mm -hmm. agreed to bring him back, and they've brought in a lot of young guys. Like, I think the next three or four years of what the Reds want to be is all in play now. Like, they've got the guys on the roster they want to be good with, in 2018 and 2019, which you couldn't say a year ago. So how you can't criticize price too much for wanting to get that extension and showing that he can get, you know, be good enough to deserve it. Uh, but to also kind of eschew the, the long-term vision of the reds uh, until they gave him the roster that they said, Hey, this is what we're growing with. Show me what you can do with it. Um, and I think now this is the first year you can really say that he's had that, uh, uh, partnership i guess with the front office's uh mo you know um i mean obviously the reds could have the reds could have turned into what the, the the detroit tigers were four years ago which is hey we've got some good guys most of them are about to be free agents let's just throw every dollar we've ever made at them and see what happens and that's how they're stuck where they are now uh the reds didn't do that they didn't chase chew they didn't chase cueto they didn't sign frazier uh so the fact that they didn't do that and still kept price on means I think they, they know that they're giving him that shot to be that guy to, to kind of kick the young guys into their first initial success. And yeah, that's, that's gotta be how he's graded on, uh, in 2017. Yep. I, I agree with that. Are we going to spend like the next three hours talking about Marty? <laughs> <laughs> Marty and Joey. <laughs> uh uh i think we could you know i'm not sure i have enough beer for that but i think we totally could um i mean in in, in many ways we've been talking about it for 10 years now i mean joey's going what it's yeah it's it's hilarious it really really is hilarious that nothing has changed despite the fact it's the same thing we've been talking about right yeah it's yeah I mean, Joey Votto won the MVP in 2010, and this is the 2017 season. Like, it's <laughs> it's been a long, 
long time. He's had a career. I mean, and here we are. He, he's been good awesome. since then. Yeah. Oh, he's been fantastic. I mean, you could argue in many ways his last two years were better than his MPP year. And we're still having this conversation at the same time that we're talking about uh, the things he has to do to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's had right. that good of a career. <laughs> and we're still talking about the fact that the guy who calls the games every single day doesn't think he's any good. You know, it's it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think between that and the uh, that and the Phillips uh, storylines dominating the Reds offseason uh, here locally is is about all you need to know about the Reds at this point. Yeah. It's much more much more manufactured drama than actual uh, actual drama that matters. Although, in a way, I guess, I mean, even when the Reds were good <laughs> three years ago, four years ago, the story was still Brandon Phillips getting RBIs and Joey Votto not, you know? And, yep. and now the Reds aren't good. Now the rest of the team that was there then isn't there anymore. There's a lot of young, good talent in the system and on the team and in the dugout and on the mound. And there's still, it's the same storyline. It's, 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 it's Tony Perez and Joe Morgan in a, in a non-winning environment is kind of what it comes down to. Um, right. It's hilarious that that's, that somehow still manages to get channeled into like the front page because you gotta, you gotta deal with it because the, the guy who's telling you it's important is the guy who's got the most prominent microphone in the town. Yeah. What are the odds that we see, uh, another Pete Rose in the headlines before, uh, before we <laughs> pitchers and catchers report. Get the Reds being just get the tri- get the trifecta out of here. Yep. <laughs> Lord, oh Pete. I guess we had a lot of Pete. We had a lot of Pete last year, didn't we? we oh did. yeah. It was it was a heavier Pete year than normal. Yeah, I think the the hardest I saw C Trent working online this year was, or uh, this like a couple weeks ago, people asking why the Reds want to get rid of the best defensive second baseman in baseball. So there's a lot to deal with. <laughs> oh man. Oh well, well, pitchers and catchers report. What a month? Less than a month from now? Is it a month from now? Yeah, I think it was thirty days from from yesterday or from Saturday, something like that. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Valentine's Day. Yeah, it does. Gah. Yeah. This yeah. snow off season is flying by. Believe it or not. Yep. So, um, you know, looking at just kind of previewing uh, the spring training Reds. Obviously, there's still some uh, some work left to be done, I think. Um, you know, going forward, there's probably still one or two signings that they might they might make. They might make a trade if, you know, if somebody if somebody bites on Cozart or if Phillips has a change of heart, but um, you know, really I I think one of the things we'll be looking forward to are the non-roster invitees that we'll we'll be seeing in camp for the first time this year. Um, so, just looking at the list, and is there any guys that stick out as far as guys that we should keep an eye on, guys we want to talk about? Chad Wallach stands out to me specifically uh, because the Reds, obviously, as we talked about with Mesoraco, they they've got. A little bit of a catching issue. Um, <laughs> if 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 Mez is not able to 
uh, be an everyday catcher, even if he's able to hit, but he can't catch every day, um, you know, then that means they've got Tucker Barnhart and they, they, they let Ramon Cabrera get away after the season by, by, you know, lopping him off the roster. They haven't really gone out and gotten any, uh, uh, tangible replacements. And now they brought in Rob Brantley, who's also a non-roster guy they'll bring in. But, you know, Wallach's a guy who is obviously is the son of, of Tim Wallach, who's a very prominent, very established, very uh, successful major leaguer. Uh, but he's also a guy that they brought in What he came in with uh, Di Scafani in the Matt Latos trade. Um, he's posted good on base percentages in limited action because of, you know, kind of sort of freak bang up in- injuries throughout the course of his minor league career. But, you know, they've sent him to the Arizona Fall League. They, they managed to hold on to him through the Rule 5 draft. Um, you know, he got, what, 70-some games of, of pretty decent production in Pensacola last year, which means he's probably that guy who's going to be the Louisville catcher coming out of spring training. Um, mm. And he's, what, 25, 26 years old. There's not a whole lot of uh, time to stash him anymore. Um, I'm interested to see what they think of him because I think he's the kind of guy who uh, could help be that, that, uh, that catching depth going forward that they're kind of sort of kicking around the idea of looking for uh, on the veteran free agent market right now. So he's, he's one guy who I, uh, I knock on wood, I think has the ability to be at least a solid backup catcher, uh, but maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I would say looking at it, um, I think Tyler Molly's a guy you've heard the front office be really high on. Mm. Um, kind of curious to see what he does at camp, obviously. And I know long-term this probably, won't mean that much, but uh, a guy like Zach Vincey coming off a really good Arizona Fall League, I'm curious to see how he builds off that. I mean, admittedly, his production was pretty out of character, but um, yeah, curious to see if he carries that over at all. Um, but yeah, you know, outside of that, uh, not too much, unless you're super jazzed about Lewis Coleman. <laughs> I, th- I think this year's list is a little bit less exciting than uh, than years past, just because a lot of that talent's on the 40-man roster. But, um, you know, I, I think Ismael Guion is one of those guys who is kind of interesting to me. You know, here's a guy who he – there was a lot of uh, talk about him possibly being a Rule 5 guy. Um, you know, really has, hasn't pitched above high A, but, um, you know, lefty arm, could throw hard, throw strikes. I mean – or just started to throw strikes last year really and and actually got at you know he had 116 strikeouts to 39 walks last year in uh, in a ball so yeah i think he seems like a guy who could come up and help the bullpen at some point this year i think that yeah i i wouldn't count on him to make the team out of spring but um i think he's a guy to keep an eye on and then i'm i'm kind of excited to, just to see uh gabriel uh, guerrero if only because he's Vladimir Guerrero's nephew, and how great was Vladimir Guerrero? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so e- even though you know his uh, his nephew doesn't doesn't really seem like uh, he's what twenty three, but he hasn't really hit anywhere in the high minors yet, and the Reds are just kind of taking a flyer on him. Um, but yeah, I I think just seeing that guy out on the field and. You know, if he if he looks anything like uh, watching Vladimir Guerrero on the field, I think that'll be uh, fun to watch. If he looks like Vladimir Guerrero on the baseball field, that would be exciting. That would yeah, I'll I, take I, that. Sign me up for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Beyonce, That's a that's a good point on him. He's the guy who I I had actually overlooked on that initial list, but 
he's a lefty too. And the Reds, you know, if they're if they're committed to keeping Cody Reed and Brandon Finnegan as starters, uh, mm. you know, you've got Tony Singrani and not a whole lot else that looks like it's going to be a lefty for that bullpen. And I think Guyon's the kind of guy. He's already twenty, what twenty four. Um, he's a, mm-hmm. somebody who they got to figure out what they're going to do with him pretty quickly. I guess Amir Garrett's the other, the other prominent lefty in this who they want to keep in the, a starting rotation, either in Louisville or with the Reds themselves. But there's, I feel like there is a lefty bullpen arm position available out there, and Guion might just be yeah. the guy who, who, you know, he comes out, he's healthy again after missing uh, two years ago, and he comes out and he's throwing fire, and he, he might move quickly and get one of those spots. I think this is the kind of spring training where you, you could totally see that. Um, the other thing that popped in my head as we were talking about this, when, when Eric brought up uh, Zach Vinci is that, uh, Erzmany Alcantara was the other kind of <laughs> co-headlining position guy or co-headlining guy brought into the organization from somewhere else, uh, this off season next to Drew Storen. Um, mm-hmm. he's 10 months, no, five months younger than Zach Vinci. Uh, he, <laughs> Kind of, you know, he's a roster guy, so he's not a non-roster invitee. But he kind of profiles as the guy who's going to be that uh, other utility player who can play center field and play uh, second and short and potentially third base. And he's a former top 100 prospect, but he's still young. I mean, he's still 25 years old. And uh, how the Reds uh, uh, both choose to use him and how much of that untapped talent he actually has a chance to, to, to show – uh, with a new organization, it's something else I'm going to be seriously watching come spring training because obviously he's an extremely talented guy who uh, has performed quite well defensively, but his offense hasn't quite matched it yet. Uh, but has always been very well regarded. I, I, I'm I'm interested to see how uh, uh, good he shows up and plays in spring training. How much of a leash they'll give him to be more than just uh, uh, you know that Ivan DeJesus uh, Jr. role from the last couple of years. And whether or not his presence on the roster keeps Dilson Herrera uh, in AAA that much longer because he kind of at least overlaps defensively in second base. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I think the Reds have always, they always have a guy like that on their roster. You know, whether it's, you know, an Ivan DeJesus or even going back to, you know, Miguel Cairo or. Chris Negron. Yeah. Chris Negron, right. Somebody who can kind of fill in in those infield spots and can play a lot of different positions, even if it's not really, you know, a prospecty kind of guy. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, Alcantara is more prospecty than a lot of what we've seen. So That's kind of what I was getting um, at. He's, he's like a yeah. young of those guys. He's like a solid yeah. three or four years younger and still in that quote-unquote developmental stage. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do, considering he's, uh, you know, just looking at the 40-man roster, he's kind of pigeonholed into being that, uh, you know, that backup utility guy that gets 250, 300 plate appearances a year. Uh, but he's 25. He's not 29. You know, he's not in his uh, uh, seventh DFA at this point. He's, uh, right. He actually has still some upside to his game. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how, how much they're expecting from him based on how they deploy him in early in the season. Yeah, for sure. Give me all the Cubs cast-offs. I'll take them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think you can go wrong. <laughs> so what about the pitching staff, guys? What do, what do we think about how, you know, your your opening day, uh, five guys who are going to be the pitchers, how, how, is, how is that going to shake out? 
who's going to get the short end of the stick? Who's going to get sent back to Louisville? How does uh, how does that break in your all's minds? Obviously, with spring training still still to help determine all of this. I think that I mean, and a lot of this, you know, kind of contingents on everyone being healthy and you know if some of these guys can't go then this is a different story but you know I think really the only two that you can kind of pencil in are Homer Bailey and Anthony DiSlefani um you know after that you know I think I think Cody Reed will probably earn a spot in spring training Brandon Finnegan I, I forgot about him he's probably another guy you'll you'll want to pencil in too but then you know, with that fifth spot, it could go a lot of different ways. You know, I think that, you know, Robert Stevenson probably could be left out. You know, with Dan, I mean, Dan Straley's still still on the list, too. So, you know, you have Dan Straley, you have Stevenson, you have um, – uh, they, they really liked uh, Tim Eidelman last year. And, you know, and I'm sure they want – to get Amir Garrett, you know, I think that he had a great year last year and could was would be hope, in spring training hoping to win a spot, but yeah, it's they're they're gonna need some something to break with one of these guys, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm curious about is Brian Price has made public comments. He's not averse to using some of these young guys in the bullpen for a while just to get a major mm-hmm. league time. And like Wade said, you know, needing a left-handed reliever. Uh, I'm curious to see if he sticks Cody Reed out there for a month or two to give him another option or, um, yeah, but I think that's right. Yeah. Desclafani, Finnegan, and I mean, Straley from last season all seem like three pretty safe bets. Uh, yeah. You're hoping Bailey comes back and then yeah. Outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens, but I mean, it's, it's honestly probably the, actually, I think I felt better about it before last season. And I think it's, Honestly, just the recency bias of seeing Reed struggle, seeing Stevenson struggle. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's solid, but yeah, there, there's a little bit more maybe question marks long term now than there was a year ago when you were looking at this rotation. Yeah, I think I think this time last year was actually relatively straightforward, wasn't it? Like Homer was due back the first week of May and going to be totally fine. Bryce Iglesias was the opening day starter and looked like he was going to be a, a world beater. Uh, Stefani was, you know, the, what, I think he had the highest FOR of any, uh, uh, rookie in 2015. Um, so yeah, you had the front of the rotation was great. And you had all this depth behind it that hadn't struggled at the major league level or struggled in AAA yet. And then, you know, Stevenson comes out and has trouble throwing strikes. Cody Reed dominated and deserved to be called up to the majors and then got just pounded when he did. So, uh, yeah, I think the recency bias is a good way of putting it because I think in large part that's why we, uh, or at least a lot of people, have Amir Garrett higher in their minds than guys like Reed or Stevenson because he hasn't struggled yet. But he's also always been about a level behind them in their development. So, yeah, it's 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 weird. You know, <laughs> Dan Straley threw 190 innings last year after being picked up, like, what, the second to last week of March off of waivers? Um, yeah. And now he's... yeah. <laughs> He's suddenly somebody we're, we're, we're hoping uh, uh, can even be a fraction of what he was last year. Um, so yeah, I think I think if everybody's healthy, I think you'll see what? You'll see DiScofani get the opening day start. I think he deserves it. I, I think he's pitched extremely well when he's been healthy and is kind of the guy that they're looking to build the next staff out, uh, off of. 
So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the nod if he's healthy. You'll see Homer slot in somewhere after that. Finnegan slot in somewhere after that as well. Straley, I think they're hoping, can be not just uh, one of their five best pitchers, but one of the guys who can pitch those April and May innings that keep service time down for guys like Garrett. Um, so I think he'll be in that rotation as well. But then after that, it's kind of Reed and Stevenson to me being those yeah. two guys that are going to be fighting for that spot because they both spent time in AAA now. I don't think either one of them really wants to, you know, have spent 2016 in Cincinnati and then start 2017 back in Louisville. That that's, you know, that I think that competitive nature between the two of them is going to be fun to watch because, you know, while Garrett, obviously he's, he's a bit older, you know, he spent time playing basketball, which kind of pushed his development back a little bit, but he's burning options uh, fast. And so this is uh, uh, going to be the year where I think he'll make his big league debut and, and hopefully do well, but I think they will limit the initial innings on his arm uh, to keep that service clock down, which I think barring him just completely blowing the doors off, uh, there's no way we see him until you know mid-May, early June, uh, just for that service time issue. But, uh, yeah, that, that Stevenson-Reed dynamic for that fifth spot in the rotation um, I think is, is going to be extremely fun to watch, and I think that's kind of what it comes down to. And I almost wonder if Price talking about using young guys in the bullpen is just like that subtle jab, subtle motivation for both of them uh, for the offseason to say, hey, <laughs> you want to be a starter? Uh, well, good, good luck. you got a lot of competition. I'm not hesitant to put you in the bullpen. So, and speaking of that, so do we think that, is there any chance that Price decides that maybe Brandon Finnegan's future is in the bullpen and puts him there to, to start the season? I think it's hard to with the year he had last year. Um, I mean, I, I, I think he probably he had what, 30, 31 starts last year. So, you know, but could, could that be an option? If they want to, you know, if they see that, okay, we don't, this guy is going to be in the bullpen, you know, going forward at some point, you know, do you think that that's a, that's a decision that Price could potentially make coming out of spring training? I think it's a decision Brian Price could totally make, but I have a hard time seeing him do it fresh out of spring training. Um, I, I think he, Unless he gets hurt, or mm-hmm. uh, I, I think if he's hurt, that's the only way that they would possibly consider it. Otherwise, I feel like his his year last year, not well, not just his year last year, but his year last year and the comments he had about the way that Kansas City handled him um, when they basically put him right into the ro- or the bullpen when he thought he had the chance to be a starter, uh, and the Reds kind of embraced that and let him talk about it like that. I think they, I, I think they almost have to let him fail as a starter before they make him a bullpen piece, uh, which would require, you know, obviously big league starts to do that. And if he comes out in his first five or six starts, comes out and, yeah, yeah. Just, it gets, gets pounded, uh, then maybe. I mean, I, I still think he can be a serviceable mid-rotation starter. I think he'd be an electric reliever. And I think the Reds kind of I, – I think they have that sense too, but they're – I think they'd still love to have him be that number three starter uh, if he can do it. And I think last year showed glimpses that he still has that. He comes up this year, and and it's evident that the workload last year, you know, dragged him down. That he doesn't have it. That you know, he's not 
his peripherals are, are finally coming back to bite him. Uh, I could see them making that move. I just have a hard time seeing them make that move uh, on April 4th or 5th or whatever, uh, given the fact that there's so many other young guys that they're trying to keep service clocks from starting. I, I think they'll give him that chance to fail at the big league level. But, you know, I, I when I see Finnegan, I, I, I see a guy who could be just an absolutely electric reliever. Um, not that he right. would be a decent starter, but he would be a an electric relief pitcher. Yeah, and I think especially with how he ended last season, uh, there was several articles written about the changes he made to his repertoire pitches. But, yeah, I mean, he was running an ERA in the fives in June and July, and then 10 starts August, September, uh, sub-three ERA, strikeouts jumped up, two per nine inning. Um, yeah, I, I forgot how good his end of the season was, but – um, yeah, with how it was, I think they'll definitely want to give him another crack at it before pulling the trigger on something like that. Yeah. Right. Because like, well, we forget how young he is, too. And I, I know I emphasized this a bunch a year ago when we were looking at these guys as, as more unknowns than we are now. But he and Cody Reed were born 24 hours apart from each other. Like, they're, they're the same age. The same <laughs> age. Um, and I feel like we, we, we still have these kid gloves on Reed because he was a little bit more of an unknown guy. And didn't pitch in college at a high level, but they're they're born in the same same twenty four hour window, and you know Finnegan is is uh, the guy who's been ahead of him and pitched well against the best hitters in the world, uh, and I, I think I think the Reds will give him more leash uh, than just spring training. At least I hope so. Uh, I would hope so. All right. Well, uh, you guys want to wrap it up? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, so hopefully this will be uh, a lot more consistent. You know, I know we we always seem to say that, but you know, I think that uh, <laughs> now that we have uh, a recording setup that's a little bit more consistent this year, um, hopefully we can start cranking these out a little bit more often um, going forward. So yeah, man, keep an eye out for that. Um, you know, as as we said. The next thing to look forward to in the calendar is really pitchers and catchers reporting uh, on the 14th of February on Valentine's Day. So wait, 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 wait. I think we wait. no. The, the next great thing is the guys in sweaty gray t-shirts talking about being in the best shape of their life, which we get like over. The oh time. yeah, that's like the week before. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 that's that's prime. I'm ready for baseball time. Right. <laughs> that's that's uh, when we see who gets to the complexes early and. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Homer Bailey's in the best shape of his life because he, he showed up in Arizona a week before everybody else. Who rolls in with, like, the beard that they haven't cut <laughs> the entire, you know, last four months? Right. All that. <laughs> Johnny Cueto's Instagram still. Mm. Yeah. Nostalgic. But until then, I mean, really, you know, what – oh, uh, community prospect rankings at Red Reporter. So uh, go check those out. Yeah. Go vote for uh, – the next uh, big prospects in Reds land. Uh, we've got a couple more, a couple more article series that I think uh, you guys are going to like coming up here. Um, if you missed it, go back and check out. Jo- we love Joey Votto week, which was last week. Um, tons of great content, um, including a video of a mounted police officer and with nibbles. So uh, that was a thing. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I guess I'll, we'll just end it here. Um, so signing off, uh, 
for Wick and Eric uh, on BK, uh, and we'll talk to you guys soon.